It is Locked on NBA. I'm David Locke, host of Locked on NBA, founder of the Locked on Podcast Network. Have you found your favorite teams, Locked on Podcast, and subscribed? Also, have you found out that every single one of your Locked on Podcasts now has a .com to go with it? That's right. There is a Locked on Dot com for every one of the podcasts, courtesy of Fan Rag Sports. We've partnered with them, so make sure you bookmark that as well. Today, we're going to stop in Houston to see if the number one seed Rockets are for real and how Chris Paul is working in. How have the Spurs done it again without Kawhi Leonard and their 50-plus wins? And who is Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz on a five-game win streak without Rudy Gobert, who plans to return? Those are the biggest stories in the NBA. We'll hit you with the local experts on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Today's show is brought to you by Blue Apron, as well as by Casper Mattress. So fun things coming for you today. Use the promo code L-O-C-K-N-B-A at Blue Apron. They don't put the E in there. So it's blueapron.com slash L-O-C-K-N-B-A to get a $30 value, your first meal for free, basically, from Blue Apron. And at Casper, you can use locked, casper.com slash locked. That's promo code locked to get $50 off your new mattress. It's locked on NBA. The biggest stories, the local experts. Sam Amick scheduled later this week as well. Here's today's locked on NBA. You are locked on the NBA, part of the locked on podcast network. First stop on our biggest stories, local experts on Locked On NBA today. Let's start with the number one seed in the Western Conference. We're not talking the Locked On Warriors. We're talking the Locked On Rockets. Ben DuBose, the Rockets are sitting at 17-4. and four. Their lead is dwindling. It's Well, that's not dwindling. They've won six in a row. It's just not growing because the Warriors are sitting right behind them. But do you think, let, let's just start right there. Is this team capable of of maintaining this incredible level of play and giving the Warriors a run for the number one seed in the Western Conference? Possibly. I'm more open to it than I was a couple of weeks ago. Let's put it that way. Because the the flaw in the way that you can point out to they have not played a murderer's row in terms of schedule. I think they'll completely admit that, although they have played more road games than home games. However, if you want to mount a case for this, this level of play, because they're 17-4, and at this level of play, you know, they're on pace to win mid to upper 60s in terms of win total right now, which I'm pretty confident would put you up there, at least within striking distance of the Warriors, if it continues. Now, the negative, you can say, okay, is this level of play going to last when the schedule eventually toughens up, as it will? But the counter to that is they've actually gotten better with the return of Chris Paul, and you look at their numbers – they've actually been without Chris Paul for the majority of the games. So you can mount a case. We'll see how it works out, but you can easily mount a case, David, that whatever they lose from the standpoint of the schedule getting progressively harder, maybe they gain from the standpoint of Chris Paul is back. And so now you add another top 10 playmaker. And well, at this point I saw that last week that through his first seven games, he had more than 70 assists and uh, I believe like only eight turnovers, just a staggeringly low amount and just, one of the better starts in the, uh, the history of the league for a point guard going to a new team. So that's the hope, David, that, that ultimately the continued integration of Chris Paul offsets whatever difference there is in the strength of the schedule. When, we, when I saw the Rockets in person, James Harden had one of the great individual games offensively by anyone ever in the history of the league. But the key thing to that game was how good Eric Gordon was. And I left the game worrying about 
what happens to Eric Gordon when Chris Paul comes back? Not what happens to James Harden, but what happens mm-hmm. to Eric Gordon? What has happened to Eric Gordon since James uh, since Chris Paul's returned? He hasn't played as well, but I actually don't think it's that correlated because it's one of those, if you look at just the box score, you can draw that correlation, and that might be true over – uh, you know, the remainder of the season, we'll see what happens. But generally, it just comes down to the fact he's missing open shots. He's still, he did miss one game with a strained calf, and he's been somewhat injury prone over his career. So, knock on wood, you always have to be aware of that with Eric. But generally, he's attacking the rim with the same vigor he was early in the year. I think that's something we talked about when you were in Houston, David. He still looks springy, he's still making plays happen. It's just he's shot, shot well below 30% from three over the past three weeks. And it's one of those things, if there's some small correlation, maybe, but from where I'm sitting, David, it's tough to say much more than he's just missing shots. And maybe a small part of it, you know, the Rockets give their shooters so much rain to shoot more than any other team in the league. And so maybe there's also some issues with shot selections where he's forcing a few too many threes. But I think it's less about the integration and more than just for whatever reason, you can call it shot selection. You can just say he's in a slump. However you want to phrase it, I think he's just, uh, at least as a perimeter shooter, just just not doing his job the last couple of weeks. He's still a creator. He's still doing a few other things, but the shooting has definitely gone into a slump. And, you know, it largely, you know, timeline-wise, it largely intersects with when Paul returns. It actually goes back about a, a week before that as well. So there might be a, a small relationship. I'm not convinced that it's a huge one just yet. All right, so I look at the Rockets, and they're number two in the league offensively. I'm not surprised by that at all. It's where I projected them all season long, and I had them stunningly, the pack breakdown, and had them stunningly close to the Warriors for preseason predictions, with the Warriors being, you know, arguably the greatest offense ever. What does stun me is them being sixth in the league defensively. Is this because of the schedule, or do you think this team has a chance to be a decent defensive team? Both. Uh, The schedule certainly helped, but also since Chris Paul has returned, which is in about two weeks, they are number one in the league in defensive efficiency, which is a pretty staggering figure. I don't care who you play to see the Rockets, the style at which they play. And of course, we know the knocks on them, uh, particularly for large stretches of last season to be number one. You know, the schedule has certainly helped, but I don't care who you play. That's that kind of efficiency is very difficult to be a, a, a fluke. So I think it's one of those things, what people that have not watched the Rockets may not realize, they are such a higher IQ team this year, David, on the defensive end. You know, you, you could certainly see it early in the year with Luke Mute, who's been an absolute steal. It is just stunning to me how Luke Mute was had for a minimum contract because he's an incredible defensive player, very versatile. They also picked up P.J. Tucker, and a lot was made of that. But then now that you have Chris Paul, between Paul Tucker and Bob Mute, you have three of what I would consider the highest IQ defensive players in the league. And so certainly, you know, they're coached well, they pay attention, but then you combine all of that with just the overall, you know, the veteran savvy that they did not have a year ago. And while they probably don't have the personnel, you know, Clint Capella is a good rim protector. He's not a great one by any stretch. Ryan Anderson, he's gotten better, but we all know his limitations. They're certainly not going to be, I don't think, a you know, just a defensive juggernaut. But is there enough there in place for them to be a very good defensive team all year long? Right now, I'm encouraged. They could be. How have they integrated Chris Paul? How are they dividing the minutes with Paul and Harden, and who's running the offense? Uh, Harden, when he's in there, this is Harden's team. He's the the MVP frontrunner of the league right now for a reason. But the interesting thing about the integration is that people on the outside might not have – picked up on 
you see so many people wondering how is this going to work between James Harden and Chris Paul, and they think of it all in terms of, okay, what's going to happen in the last two or three minutes of the fourth quarter if it's a close game? For the Rockets, they're just as concerned, if not more, with the concept of having one Hall of Fame playmaker on the court for all 48 minutes. And so what that means is for half the game, only one of them is out there. You know, if we assume that each play is about 35 minutes, then that's going to be 13 minutes a game that Harden's on the bench that Chris Paul is out there. And that's also a potential 13 minutes a game that Chris is on the bench that James is out there alone. So the way the Rockets are looking at this, they're they're not thinking just strictly the way a lot of casual fans are, which is, okay, who's going to have the ball? Who's going to create? The way the Rockets see it, there's at least half the game, if not a little bit more, that one of these two guys is going to be out there leading the team by themselves. And what, they, what they're betting on, and to this point it's worked, is that over the course of 48 minutes, if you have at least one of those guys on the floor at all times, the other team is going to have a lull that the Rockets, based on having one of those two floor generals out there, basically the Rockets are just going to keep humming all 48 minutes. And you know, even if you're playing a good team, all it takes is one two- or three-minute stretch where you're not playing that well, the Rockets hit you with a 12-2 run, and all of a sudden it becomes very difficult to uh, to get back into it. It's really interesting. In that Indiana game, their last game before they played the Lakers, they had five runs of eight or more. The first three of them all happened with both of them on the floor, and then the second one happened, uh, I think, when – when Harden was on the floor by himself, and the last one happened when they were on the floor together. So it's it's interesting to see how they're going to play it. Very, great stuff, Ben. I think you've touched on it. Always, my final question is always, what are the things that the from 30,000 feet the national people aren't seeing that the local experts do? I think you've touched on it, unless there's anything else you want to add. Yeah, I would just say, to, to follow Clint Capella, besides the obvious integration, that's the bit. He's, his development into a fringe all-star type player this year besides the obvious storylines uh harden gordon paul development of paul uh development of capella excuse me inside has been a big storyline the past couple of weeks he's been a little more iffy defensively i think it's tended you know it's certainly more of a blip uh he'll get tested more this week obviously the rockets are in utah you'll get to see him up close and personal thursday when he may go up against rudy gobert seeing uh, we'll see if Rudy's back by then. But I would say that's the thing to, to watch because, you know, we expected a lot of this from Harden and Paul. The development of Capella into, like I said, a fringe all-star level player, that's been somewhat unexpected. There have been, I wouldn't say he's had a bad stretch. He's just had a few uneven moments. So it's just from a 30,000-foot level, is he truly a fringe all-star level player? That's the thing I would keep an eye on in these next couple of weeks. Ben DeBose, local experts on the biggest stories. Thanks so much for your insight. Locked on Rockets is the podcast. Ben does fabulous work, has great guests on the show. Make sure you subscribe and follow it if you want to know what's going on with the Rockets or just the big stories of the NBA from the local experts. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Stop two on the biggest stories. Local experts will stay in Texas to check in with Jeff Garcia in the Spurs in a moment. I want to tell you about my experience with Blue Apron. You probably know Blue Apron. They are the leading meal kit delivery service in the U.S. I don't know if everybody understands how great the meals actually are. You're making short rib burgers with a hoppy cheddar sauce on a pretzel bun, seared steaks with thyme pan sauce with mashed potatoes, green beans, crispy shell. It's, it's incredible. They're the number one fresh ingredient recipe delivery service in the country. In our family, my wife has loved it because on those busy days, she knows exactly what meal is ready for. She doesn't have to go shop for 12 items because they come perfectly set up in individually wrapped packages, the freshest ingredients. My kids have loved it because they've actually done it. 
My kids cook it with my wife. You can do all sorts of different plans. Two-person meal plan, family meal plan, wine plan, six bottles of wine from renowned winemakers delivered monthly. It's all there for you at Blue Apron. We have loved it in our family, being a Blue Apron family, and you will as well. Convenience, variety, flexible and high quality i don't know what else you would ask for it's been really fun for us the kids didn't even screw it up blue apron is treating locked on nba listeners to their first dinner a 30 dollar value blueapron.com slash lock nba they do not include the they do not include the e l-o-c-k nba that's l-o-c-k NBA. So check out this week's menu. Get $30 off with free shipping at blueapron.com slash lock NBA. L-O-C-K NBA. Next stop on our biggest stories, local experts. We go to San Antonio. You ask why. I guess the Spurs are never the biggest story in the league, though they probably <laughs> always should be. They are 15 and 8. They have played a quarter of the season Without the services of Kawhi Leonard, they lost on Sunday night in their matchup against the Thunder, playing a closing with a lineup of DeJounte Murray, Bryn Forbes, Derek White, Davis Bertans, and somebody else like Brandon Paul uh, were the out on the floor for the Spurs, and yet they pushed the Thunder to the end. They are they are somehow still an elite team in this league, and that's why we bring in Jeff Garcia. From Locked On Spurs for the local expert on the biggest stories. And Jeff, this team is playing at a 53-win piece without Kawhi Leonard. Has it been shocking? Uh, to say uh, a little bit, yes. It has been a little shocking, uh, but it just goes back down to the fact that this is a uh, Popovich-run team. That system, that corporate knowledge that he embeds into every player that comes into their uh, roster, he he just ingrains it in there, and it's that situation where the system is going to lend to every player's uh, abilities. Everybody has a defined role, stick to it, and it should produce Ws, and it has so far this season. Uh, to me, the biggest thing is that them uh, not only doing well without Kawhi Leonard, but just how much leaps and bounds LaMarcus Aldridge has done uh, since his little off-season chit-chat with Greg Popovich to clear the air, and he's catapulted himself into an all-star level form back to where he was in Portland. And I got to say, I am I stand up and applaud him. He has renewed energy, rejuvenated uh, fourth season in San, San Antonio. Got to like what I'm seeing out of LMA. But, yeah, I mean, you, you in your intro, you talked about who the Spurs were playing against OKC uh, the other night. They, they basically was a G League team they put out there. It was a G League team, the and Os- they were able to test. They were able to test the OKC Thunder with their new big three down to the wire. So, kudos to the Spurs. Kudos to the Spurs system. Popovich, how he does it, how that team does it, season in, season out, is amazing. And what is that like? How do they do it? It's simply as this. One, you've heard it before, David. And I'm pretty sure all the listeners of the Locked On Podcast, NBA Network, has heard. They just check their egos at the door. There is no prima donnas. There is nothing like that. There is no barking, no sniping at each other. It, this is your role. You're going to stick to it. Don't go beyond it. Even look at what Popovich had to say about the improved play of a guy like Bryn Forbes. He, he went on to say uh, the other day where he had a great offensive night shooting, I believe it was against uh, Memphis, he says 
he just needs to shoot. That's only reason why he rebrought him in here. And if he goes beyond that or if he doesn't shoot it, I'm benching him. Simple as that. You have your defined role in this example to Bryn Forbes, and it's successful. And Forbes is having a uh, pretty good season in the second year in San Antonio. You also look at the collective as well. Look who's still on that roster. Yes, the big loss is Tim Duncan, you know, but that's pretty much done and over with. It's time to move on. But they still have Tony Parker, who's back. Manu Ginobili came back. Popovich is still there. You still have that trust of the assistant coaches that have already been there in a while. Ime Udoka, he's been one of the longest tenured assistant coaches now. So you look at this team as a whole, they just keep on keeping on, as you will. And uh, it comes back to defense. They are what they're up there in the top league defensive uh, teams this year, holding to under 100 points in the last five, six games. So it's good to see this from San Antonio. Defense first. The W's come out of that. Checking their ego at the door. W's come out of that. Everybody knows their defined roles. W's come out of that. And the list goes on and on. So, yeah, I'm glad to be covering this team that doesn't get that much recognition, but it still should at the end of the day. Kawhi Leonard, excuse me, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge averaging 23 points a game. What what does he do when Kawhi Leonard comes back? Because he can't do that. That is the biggest question, and I think that is a, one of the bigger questions that the national media is not talking about. Yes, they're applauding him and what he's doing right now, and the numbers show it, but the big question that's not getting overlooked at that a lot of the local media is talking about is what's going to happen when Kawhi Leonard comes back? Let's go to put this in order now. One, Popovich, everybody has been signaling he's coming back sooner than later, like really, really, really soon. I wouldn't be surprised if he coming up this coming week sometime. Um, so, which begs the question, somebody's going to start losing their touches, and it's going to be um, as a whole, yes, but LaMarcus Aldridge is going to be uh, one of those players that's going to lose some touches. Popovich actually talked about this to the uh, media after the Memphis uh, win in Memphis. Um, where he said everybody's going to have to make adjustments from top to bottom. Pau Gasol even talked about it to the media that uh, on hand, saying adjustments are coming. They're aware that that adjustment is coming. But look, this is a great problem to have. You're going to have to adjust for an, a player who had an MVP-like season last year, who was considered the best two-way player in the league, who puts up points, who can lock down the, the, the opposing team's best the player, perimeter player, the list goes on and on. This is a good problem to have. But going back to LaMarcus, that is the big question. Will he be able to adjust? I think he will. I think the Spurs are not going to throw in Kawhi in the fire right away. They're not going to give him 20, 25, 30, 30-plus 30 points. Popovich is going to be very cautious, almost to a fault, on how many minutes he's going to get. Look at what happened with Tony Parker last night in the loss to OKC. He sent him out. He just sent him out. It's a back-to-back. They played the Pistons later on tonight. Um, so he's very cautious with his older players, especially coming off injury. He's also cautious about his franchise player because he himself told us media that Kawhi Leonard is too valuable of a player to rush back and to toss him into the fire that way. So I think initially I think it will be a uh, an organic uh, transition, an organic adjustment little by little turn up the fire little by little till everybody gets on the same page and we should be fine 
the uh, unfortunately uh, sprained MCL to Kyle Anderson tonight. So there's actually 29 minutes available. Not as many, t- you know, he doesn't use a lot of touches, but there's a lot of minutes right. that are suddenly going to be available there. So the assimilation of Ka- Kawhi Leonard probably easier. Final thing uh, for you, uh, you've you've touched on the what the local kind of angle is at the big picture, the big mm-hmm. 30,000 feet. So let me ask you just about Rudy Gay and how he's uh, looked off the Achilles and how he's assimilated into this team. I think he's doing fine. I, I think he's a veteran player. He knows what it is to adjust to a different team, a different situation. He did it a few times in his career heading into San Antonio. You look at the type of uh, coaching staff he has around him. Popovich in the offseason was very aware of his Achilles injury uh, last season with Sacramento. He's been doing fine. I've actually been surprised at just how quickly he's adapted to the Spurs offense and defensive schemes. Yes, there was a little bit of a drop-off. Uh, I would say after week three, I believe, where his numbers kind of started to decline, but they've been spiking lately. I think actually uh, a silver lining and not having Kawhi in the in the lineup right now is more minutes for Rudy Gay, and I think he's benefited for that. They play the same position. It's only going to make them better once Kawhi comes back in the sense of he's already aware of it. There is The learning curve is shorter. He was thrown right into it as opposed to here and there with Kawhi being, if he was playing, you know, limited minutes for Rudy Gay, but he's getting the minutes. He's being effective with them. He's dropping double-digit points uh, scoring on average. He's being effective off the bench, offensively, defensively. Yes, he doesn't have the same type of explosive as he did maybe in Sacramento or in his Memphis days, but nonetheless, he's just exactly a very Spurs-like pickup, and he's doing well. So, uh, yeah, kudos to uh, Rudy Gay, and hopefully he's so uh, sky's the limit this season, and he remains healthy. Jeff Garcia, Locked On Spurs, thank you very much for the insight. Biggest stories, local experts. Catch Jeff on Locked On Spurs. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dave. We're going to flip the tables on our final story because Ben Anderson is going to jump in, our program director at the Locked On Podcast Network. He will jump in and interview me for Locked On Jazz. But first, let me tell you about Casper, the revolutionary sleep brand company. They continue with an amazing line of products creating exceptional, comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. You can be sure your purchase with Casper because it's a hundred night risk-free sleep on a trial. That to me is the first thing you need to know. You can be sure about the Casper hundred night risk-free sleep on it trial. That is awesome. So here's what makes Casper so great. They're perfectly designed for humans, engineered to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. So you spend one-third of your life sleeping, you better like it. Casper mattresses combine multiple supportive memory foams for quality sleep service with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Three mattress models, the original, the Wave, and the Essential. Casper's not just a mattress company, wide variety of other products as well. And here's what you need to do. You go start your sleeping ahead of the curve. Get your sleeping going ahead of the curve. Go get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash locked. Use the promo code locked at checkout. Terms and conditions do apply. Visit casper.com slash locked. Promo code locked. I'm Ben Anderson filling in for David Locke here on the Locked On NBA podcast. But uh, the reason I'm filling in is because 
We're talking to David because we're talking the Utah Jazz staying in the Western Conference. David, thanks for uh, allowing me to host and, and, and staying on your show. Would have been really weird if I talked to myself, or at least we don't want people to know about when that happens. Uh, David, the Jazz are interesting. The Jazz are really interesting. Over the last couple of weeks, they've had as radical a change as any team I've seen so far in the NBA. Two weeks ago, pre-Thanksgiving, I would have told you this team, having lost seven of eight, probably should start looking at trading off a lot of those assets they have and trying to get into rebuilding mode. Since then, they've been on fire, and a lot of it has come behind Donovan Mitchell, and they've been doing it without Rudy Gobert. Since Gobert's gone out there, the number two offense in the NBA, that's the story, is that when they stopped playing Favors and Gobert together, Quinn Snyder got to implement the offense that he believes in, that he's always wanted to have, and when doing that, he found a juggernaut. Their 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 offensive ratings of 114.2. You might say, well, that's an 11-game fluke, but if you go back to All-Star break last year, Quinn Snyder started playing Joe Johnson at the four. They went to a small lineup, and sure enough, what was the offense during that period of time when Joe Johnson was on the floor? It was about 113, 112. It was the third best offense in the NBA during that period of time, only behind the Warriors and Rockets. And what are they right now? They are the second best offensive team only behind the Rockets, but really, if we're honest, probably behind the Rockets and the Warriors if the Warriors had gone all out in every game. So there's something to Quinn Snyder's offensive system. They have rediscovered that with Rudy Gobert out, and I don't think anybody thought a Rudy Gobert injury might be the key to turning the Jazz season in a positive direction. And now the Jazz are finding themselves in a weird spot because the news coming out today is that Rudy Gobert is questionable to return against Washington Monday night. That's way ahead of schedule, at least what I assumed when we saw that injury. His knee bent sideways. They initially diagnosed it as a bone bruise and then came back and said, no, there's some more damage there. Uh, they were saying four to six weeks. Where are we on that timeline, and, and do you think he really can come back this week? He got injured on the 10th of November uh, against Miami when Deion Waiters rolled into him. The four-week reevaluation period would put him uh, at December 11th, which would be when the Jazz start this upcoming road trip. But every expectation at this point is that Rudy Gobert is going to play his first game back against the Wizards on Monday. He went through a light practice, is what the Jazz called it, on Sunday. He's been a, doing a tremendous amount of floor work prior to this practice. This was, I believe, the first time he had played more than just one-on-one with other players on the floor, but he had been doing sprinting, cutting, uh, all sorts of uh, agility drills, and has been really progressing quite quickly over the last week. Seeing him from across the floor at practice today, uh, he did have a brace on that knee, which I think would be expected, Uh, but I I would suspect that if he that he very well could play uh, against Washington. If he doesn't play then, though, it might slide back to the Houston game on the 7th just because the Jazz play back-to-back against Washington and Oklahoma City. On the other end, it could slide a little further in the sense that they won't practice that next day. So if they're trying to get him another practice day, the Jazz actually don't have another practice day until about December 10th or 11th. So that would be the only thing where things get tricky on Gobert's return if they need him to have another practice day. But I'm not sure they need that, and he may very well play uh, tomorrow or Monday against Washington. Uh, One of the main issues or one of the main improvements we've seen with this Jazz team is they they know where to go with the ball late in games, early in games, the middle of games, and that's just give the ball as often as they can to Donovan Mitchell. And I want to talk about that in a second, but what do you do now? Because Gobert comes back, Favors has been absolutely fantastic. This is the best basketball we've seen from him in two seasons. He's a starter. He's a, he's a starting level and above average 
center in the NBA right now. And we know that those two big lineups just didn't allow the Jazz to run the offense Quinn Snyder wanted. So what does this team look like when Rudy Gobert comes back? You know, when we talked to Locked on Spurs earlier, a lot of the conversation was about Kawhi Leonard assimilating back in and what it does to LaMarcus Aldridge. And we talked about what Chris Paul's done to Eric Gordon. So this is a common story, but I think this one might be a bigger deal. I actually think this one is a little bit of a problem for the Jazz. You will have to see, you're going to see them play Favors and Gobert together. The Rudy Gobert, Derek Favors, and Ricky Rubio lineup together was a disaster. Offensive rating was at 90 so far. So you're going to see those, that for probably at least 10 minutes a night, just because you can't ask Derek Favors to come off the bench. Then the question is, on the other 38 minutes tonight, how are you dividing those center minutes between Favors and Gobert and keeping everyone happy? I think this has this is going to be a tough locker room. This is going to be a tough juggle for Quinn Snyder. Not out of the fact that anyone's doing anything wrong, but to exactly what you said. Derek Favors dominated DeMarcus Cousins the other night against New Orleans. He's an NBA starting center. His market value is probably high. That's a hard trade to make. But as a free agent, I think he's probably unlikely to return to Utah in the sense that he'd like to be an NBA starter. So there is obviously a possibility of a move with Derek Favors, which adds to like a long list of centers being talked about. DeAndre Jordan, the Clippers, Derek Favors with the Jazz. That, that marketplace is a really interesting one to keep an eye on. Toronto has a ton of centers right now, and they can all play as well. Uh, so let, let me ask you this, David. Is it... Something about the two-big lineup that doesn't work. You mentioned Ricky Rubio. Is it just the fact that they have three non-shooters in the starting lineup, and is there leeway to move Ricky Rubio and his rotation minutes around? Because, I mean, he's had times when he's looked brilliant this year and times when he's really struggled. That would probably mean asking Donovan Mitchell to be the point guard, which worked fairly well against New Orleans to close the game. And this 21-year-old kid does not seem to be overwhelmed by anything yet, but that seems to be a large, large ask to ask him to become the point guard. But I do think it's a worthwhile thing to look at is whether you put Hood, Ingles, and Mitchell with favors in Gobert. Does it allow you to have more success than you had uh, with with Rubio in that lineup? And the three non-shooters does seem to be what most people have kind of chimed in is the issue there. We also are dealing with small sample sizes still. You know, Rudy only played 11 games. It just felt tough when it was on the floor together. The eye eye test might have been as good as the number test there. So let's talk about Donovan Mitchell then. The first, I mean, the first six, seven games of the season, he had a couple of high-scoring outputs and and looked okay. He did it against some bad teams in the Clippers when we didn't realize how bad they were in the Lakers with the issues we know they've had this season, even though they've stayed a little bit more competitive. Donovan Mitchell was almost unplayable. And then he has a breakout performance against Portland, puts up 28 points, and has been nearly unstoppable since. He's only scored in single digits one time in his last 12 games. He's moved into the starting lineup. What do you make of what we're seeing out of Donovan Mitchell? Is this who he is? Is this sustainable, or is he just on a ridiculous hot streak? Well, I was in a draft workout when Donovan Mitchell came to Utah, and during that draft workout, Dennis Lindsay sent the, his assistants around the gym telling anyone who said a word about that draft workout was going to be fired. So the Jazz obviously thought something pretty highly of Donovan Mitchell on that day when he came in, and they've been right. I don't know what number you want to grab out of him. Most 20-point games or, or more by a rookie this year. His last 10 games, he's averaging 20 points, 4 rebounds, and 5 assists a game. Let me just say that again. His last 10 games, he's averaging 20 points, 4 rebounds, and 5 assists a game. 
There aren't many guys that have done that. The comparisons are being thrown around crazily right now to Dwayne Wade, and their personalities are actually what jumps out to me more than anything else in that comparison because Donovan Mitchell off the floor is better than Donovan Mitchell on the floor. His brain, his mind, his composure – are incredible. His upbringing is unique in the sense that his father was a seven-year minor leaguer and he didn't make it to the big leagues but still raised him very much with that knowledge. His mom was an educator at Greenwich Country Day School, which might be one of the most upper-class schools or at least in the most upper-class city in America. And Donovan went to school there, so his life exposure is remarkable. And the thing that jumps out to me more than anything, Ben, on Donovan Mitchell is the growth inside the season. He opened the year at the rim 6 of 17. Since then, he's shooting 60% at the rim. He opened the year on above-the-break threes, 3 of 16, not having the distance figured out. Since then, he's 37%, but he's also backed it up to an extra 4 feet behind the line on a bunch of these with regularity. And in the last uh, four or five games, you look at his numbers above the break three, he's at nearly 50%. That is simply being hot. But the overall picture is a kid who's growing immensely and having absolutely no difficulty adapting his game to the NBA game. Yeah, I I hope people realize, I mean, the first six or seven games of the season, he was the worst player in the NBA. He, He was borderline unplayable. He was so inefficient from the floor defensively. He was struggling because it looked like he was in his own head. And since then, he's just, I mean, he's, he's been inarguably the Jazz's second best player and, and best player since Rudy Gobert has gone down. And I, I didn't see that from him coming out of Louisville. I had worried about him jumping up draft boards late because he was undersized. But someone said, well, you've you got to have a, a wing non-point guard in this draft because we know how good the point guards were. But there really wasn't that dominant two guard or, or, or kind of combo guard. And I thought maybe someone was going to reach on him, and he's just come out. He's proven me totally wrong. Well, I'll wrap up our Locked on NBA show today with this note on him. He finished his last stretch of ACC games last year, averaging 20 points a game. So this growth, freshman year, he averaged seven. First half of sophomore year, he averaged about 13. He closed the year averaging 20. This is the pattern that he's shown throughout. We'll see if it's real. This wraps up Locked on NBA. Thanks for Ben Anderson for stepping in there for me. Thanks to Ben DeBose of Locked on Rockets and Jeff Garcia of Locked on Spurs. It's the biggest stories in the NBA covered by the local experts. And if you want a Twitter feed that you have to have, I mean have to have for all the news from all the Locked on hosts, you can get the NBA feed at Locked on NBA Net and the NFL feed at Locked on NFL Net. And remember, every single Wednesday, you get to play Draft with us. Download the app Draft. Use the promo code LONBA. After your first deposit, you'll get your first game for free. Make sure you join us for the very fun daily fantasy game Draft with the Snake Draft each and every day. It is locked L-O-N-B-A to get your vouch for that. Hope you're having a great day. Thanks for tuning in. As I mentioned, Sam Amick scheduled later this week. It is Locked On NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.